Kia ora, I'm Laura Clark, the British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to another episode of Tea with the High Commission, the British High Commission's podcast, where we interview a range of interesting people talking about anything and everything, and in the process discover the great connections between the UK and New Zealand. Kia ora, I'm Helen Smith, the British Deputy High Commissioner. Our guests today are two incredibly impressive young Brits. Um, Firstly, we have Jack Parsons, who's the founder and CEO of digital marketplace, The Youth Group, which aims to help young people aged 18 to 30 to start and grow a business, gain a full-time job and access new skills. Despite only being in his mid-twenties, Jack has an impressive set of achievements to his name, including being named in the top 50 kindest leaders in 2019, being named as one of the top 10 young entrepreneurs to watch in 2018, and one of the top 100 CEOs to follow on Twitter. Secondly, we're joined by Ben Towers. Ben started building websites at the age of 11, set up his first business at 13, and at the age of 15 was the first person in the UK to employ himself as an apprentice in his own business. At age 17, he successfully lobbied the government to change the law so that he could set up a business bank account under the age of 18. And at the age of 21, he led the UK government's youth entrepreneurship review and is currently working on an app on preventative mental and physical health. Um, Ben and Jack, it is incredible to have you here and I'm already intimidated by how much you've achieved in half my lifetime. Um, Can you tell us, first of all, what brings you to New Zealand? It's lovely to be here and... We, we've come to New Zealand on behalf of um, Minister Jackson, Willie Jackson, who's the um, uh, Minister for Employment and also the Ministry of Social Development to help with youth. And we are here to launch, we've launched a new program for employers to get them youth ready so they can understand young people, connect to young people, recruit young people, develop and retain young people. So we are here to launch a new program. We're excited. We've been all over New Zealand. We are so impressed by the community vibe but also young people on the ground that want to get ahead it's absolutely amazing to be here Mm. what's what's the sort of standout from this visit here what's the the thing that really is really going to stick with you when you go home i think for the standout thing for me is the people no matter where we go we've been from cities to rural places like Tolaga bay and so on you know we've seen right different parts of new zealand and no matter where you go everybody's so welcoming everybody's so so and I think everyone's so rich in heritage as well, and they really believe in their past and so on. Like I think where you know, we could go to a community and they'll want to give us their traditional welcome and hello. And I just think that's so amazing. It's something that's really refreshing, especially coming from the UK, where I don't think we have quite as much of that. For me, it's New Zealanders are open to change. They want change and they want to just get on with it. And they want to support youth. It's just the question, how? So I'm, what I'm taking away is the agenda, the youth agenda is on the radar. And it's not just on the radar as a tick box, it's on the radar to actually make a difference to local communities here in New Zealand. And Jack, you've said that your personal mission is to knock down doors for others to walk through and, and that partly that's inspired by your own tough upbringing and, and a lack of career support when you were at school. Can you say a bit more about some, some of those early struggles and what it is that m- motivates you? Totally. So I grew up 
with an alcoholic parent. My mum was only ever in free moves, drunk, violent, or asleep. School was tough because I didn't belong because I was the odd one out. I had one school jumper going to a school in the UK and I found it very difficult I was bullied until year nine until I became a black belt in judo the only reason I could become a black belt in judo is because I took a paper round who which could afford to pay for the lessons and a lot of people say how did you get out the bubble how did you get out from living in a council estate uh, surrounding yourself with alcohol and drugs and gangs and the the answer is you either sink or swim and on this occasion, I started to swim until I could find someone who could support me. Mm. And it's so important to have people, everyday role models around you who will lift you up. Yeah. And you've talked a lot about being dyslexic as well previously. How did that sort of colour your um, young years and, and influence your sort of time in education? I didn't pass my GCSEs with maths or English. And... Everyone said, that's going to hold you back. You're never going to get a job. I'm a visual person. And there is enough technology out there right now that Grammarly that can help you with that stuff. I run an organisation in the UK called the Youth Group. And that's not stopped me from reading, uh, writing contracts and working on some of the biggest contracts. Because you surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, who can help support you do that stuff. And uh, I think that's the, the, the uh, message I have for every person is don't get beat up because you're not good at something focus on what you're good at and surround yourself with others who are good at the stuff that you're not and what about you ben did, w did you have the support in place to do the things you did at such a young age or was that very much sort of self-driven yes yeah, so my parents are not in business at all so they couldn't advise me on how to run the business but what they could do they could turn around and go you know what we're going to help keep you grounded, help keep you motivated, and help keep you on the right track. So my mum works for the NHS, she's a podiatrist, and my dad's a draftsman, so basically like designs ventilation units for oil rigs. So both very spe specialist jobs, but neither of them in business. So when I started to run my company at 13, my mum said, go and see your granddad up in Cumbria, in north of the UK, or North England, because he's been running businesses all his life, so he'll be able to help you. Now, obviously, I was in a tech company, He wasn't in tech at all, so it's a very different, but I think we learnt, I learned a lot from him, and that's that experience, that chatting, then opened up a lot of doors for me to get involved with other business organisations, and that's when I started to meet mentors and build my network, and that's what helped me get to where I am, is having people around me to support me. Mm. And Jack, you mentioned the youth group. Can you tell us a bit more about, about what that organisation does and sort of what your thinking was behind setting it up? So the youth group is an organisation with a community of 1.7 million young people in the UK. We have over 1,500 ambassadors, grassroots supporting our mission. Last year, we helped over 9,000 young people to be inspired or get into work. And the organisation is there to be the enabler, to support the young person, but also to support the businesses and the employers. And this is why we are here. We've proven in the UK uh, how to support businesses to help them to better understand young people. And this is what we've come and launched here with the Ministry of Social Development is, right employers, you've got your role to play. Let us help you in a meaningful way. And how do you see um, some of the challenges that you today face in getting into business? And is there any particular difference you've spotted between the UK and New Zealand as you've been travelling around? I think UK and New Zealand are actually quite similar in a lot of challenges. I think just like in the UK and New Zealand, there are some parts of the 
sort of country that are disconnected and some parts that are really well connected and got loads of tech resources. I think one of the key things that we've really noticed, and I think it's something that makes it harder for employers in some cases, is this sort of habitual knowledge and natural understanding of technology. Because we've grown up with technology in our pockets, because we've grown up living our life through and in some cases for technology, it means that it now makes our mindsets very different. Take social media, for example, think how that's changed, where it used to be blog article, traditional media, mm. then moved to Facebook, but still long form content, no picture and a long bit of text. Instagram, one photo and a short caption. Now on Snapchat and TikTok, 10 seconds and that's it. And this change in mindset when it comes to different types of content that we relate to is now causing this, I think, challenge for trying to young people to get a job because now when they get told, go and do your full day training when you got the job, and they're like, well, hang on a minute, I'm used to 10 second content, it makes it hard. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, I'm just thinking that it makes it harder for employers to engage. And so that's why we're here to try to really open the door and start the conversations. To help organisations to adapt the way they do things to make it an enabling business environment for yes, young people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, and from, from my point of view, the challenges that I've seen that are the same is every young person wants to find their duvet flip. What gets them out of bed in the morning to motivate them to go to the next stage. And employers have an important role just as important as the parent does. So it's everyone in the, every young person in New Zealand, every young person in the UK, they all have a passion and purpose in something and they've all got their duvet flip. They just don't know how to access the door. Mm. And how much of a problem do you think are some of the stereotypes around young people and how much is that acting as a sort of barrier to employers being open to the sort of change that's needed? I think the stereotypes make it hard because especially with different types of communities of people, especially across New Zealand, there's often stereotypes put on individuals and I think that's wrong and I don't think that's right. I think that it's, it's making it now hard to engage with young people because there's also this unconscious bias that people are maybe aware about and when they're writing job applications or writing job um, descriptions and adverts that unconsciously they may be making it appeal to certain types of people and so on and that's what we're trying to really raise awareness for to say you know what here's how you consciously write a job advert that is inclusive of everybody and doesn't without you realizing disconnect certain people from my from my point of view the stereotype is all oh, they are unemployed so they must be no good there's a lot of young people across the world and, and definitely here in New Zealand who have degrees and are smart and have lots of energy. I was unemployed in the UK twice. I was a neat twice. And I think we need to look upon, oh, they are, it's an Andy Dan or it's a good thing to do. Investing in young people is not a good thing to do. It's a future thing. So I think we need to stop looking at oh, they're unemployed, so they can't get a job, so they must be no good, so what job? What basic job we can give them? Every young person's at a different stage of their life. They're at a different stage. Something might have hit them that have made them be, become unemployed. So I, I think we need to get over the barrier that every unemployed person is useless and they, it's a good deed. No, there are some really talented unemployed people currently and we need to change that narrative. There's 71 million young people globally currently trying to access work at the moment and you've got one billion entering the labour market across the world in the next 10 years. 
we have to do something now. Gosh, those are some striking numbers. Jack, you've been um, very open in, in the last sort of year or so um, about your own struggles with your mental health, and including on social media. Um, and that's so important to have people who are prepared to talk about what they're going through to start tackling some of the stigma around mental health. How have you found people's um, response to your openness and how has that sort of affected your experiences in business? Running a business can be very stressful. And sometimes it can be very isolating and you feel alone. And that's not you're, that's not because you're not around people. It's just because things get really, really busy. And mental health challenges in the UK, and especially mental health challenges here with young New Zealanders, it's, it's asking the question, one, what is mental health? That's the first thing I had to overcome. I wasn't really exposed to anyone in my family who mentioned the word mental health or what it is. I read about it, but didn't really understand it. So it took me some time to understand what actually it means to have some mental health challenges and how you can put the right metrics in place to help you with the right traits to actually overcome them and once you overcome them and you you become comfortable on what mental health challenges are and what the triggers are you then become comfortable in seeking help we like to paint a picture is for instance if we were going to to advertise something with mental health a company were to advertise something with mental health you normally see on the side of a bus stop a young person the photos black and white they're looking towards the ground, very sad. But some of the most happiest people from the service, from face value, have mental health challenges. So we need to, yet again, change the narrative. It's the same with uh, Nike. Nike, they always put a slim person wearing their trainers on the advertiser. Well, actually, I'm not slim and I wear Nikes. <laughs> so Same. we need to change the narrative and actually saying hashtag leave no one behind. And any it, mental health can affect anyone. Some of the brightest, some of the most connected, some of the most greatest families in the world. What can we do? And when I spoke about my mental health challenges, I was so nervous to do so because it's actually what is going to be the response but I was overwhelmed. The first ever status I did reached 15 million people on LinkedIn. And I had messages from senior managing directors from Accenture saying, Jack, I've been struggling in this organization. Can we have a coffee? So it's about opening the conversation and, and giving, the, giving a safe environment for others to follow. And what would you say to someone, an individual going through their own mental health challenges right now? What, what's the one thing you'd say to them? My advice is to, to breathe for a moment. Take the moment to breathe. And it's okay if you don't know how to solve your mental health challenges, but seek help. And if you don't feel comfortable into going to talk to a therapist, talk to someone close to you and just start opening the conversation. You have to start. If anyone's listening to this podcast and having some mental health challenges right now here in New Zealand, stop the podcast and go and text someone or speak to someone. That's really good advice. Let's talk a bit about kindness. So you've spoken about kindness being one of the defining traits that you can have in business. How do you encourage that in the workplace? Kindness costs you nothing. And I think 
when we're in business and we're in companies and we've got employers and we've got bosses or we've got shareholders or whatever that is, we, fit, we forget that actually we're all human. And I'm a big believer that actually if you want to get anywhere long-term in life, you have to do that with grace. You have to do that with kindness. It doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything to ask someone how they are. So kindness has been a big part of not just my organisation, but actually helping young people and helping businesses to become youth ready. They have to do it with kindness. So kindness is so important and everyone has it in them to be kind. You've both achieved so much already in your lives. We've just entered a new decade, the 2020s. What are, what are the big challenges and big objectives you think you have for the next 10 years? Yes, yeah, so what I'm working on is really looking at the mental health space and really trying to address that. You know, the statistics are worrying, and I think that something now needs to change about that. You know, cause the UK and England are actually very similar when it comes to mental health statistics and so on. And I think that we spend a lot of resources focusing on treating or people are starting to feel unwell. What can be done to, to look after and treat that? But actually, where I'm focusing in this case is looking at the prevention side of things and saying how can you build authentic communities of people around you so you've got that support network so when you start to go through that you know, tough time you've got people already there who you've got a relationship with to support you and be there for you and it's something that I think we lack as a generation you know we, we're so disconnected but connected because of the internet but reality of physical I think we're lacking that now and so it's really trying to bring that back and so that's what I'm going to work on. That's because of some people close to me, like Jack and a few others going through their mental health challenges and being there for them and seeing that, I just thought, you know what, something needs to change. For me, it's to continue to put youth on the agenda. There's 134 million jobs that will need digital skills, but 56% of young people don't believe they know what digital skills are. So one of my focuses in, with a small team of trusted people I've met on the journey to create a place where young people can build their digital skills and be global citizens. And it's connecting that all together when we live in a world where everyone's scratching at each other. So let's bring the world closest together. Brilliant. Now, we have um, all sorts of guests on this podcast and often incredibly impressive, incredibly inspiring people. And one of the things we want to get across to our audience is however impressive you may seem, we all have things that actually sometimes still terrify us. So what are the things that, that still scare both of you despite everything you've achieved? For me, it's let leaving someone behind. I am a realist. I know that I can't personally help every young person. <laughs> but I feel that I have the tools and the platform to connect so others can deliver on that. So what really scares me is not having enough time in the day to get what we need to get done, to leave no one behind and do it meaningfully. Also what scares me is as you do more, as you grow your platform more, more people look in. And some of those individuals that look in may not be in it for the right reasons. So it's keeping it authentic, keeping it real, and always putting you first is my biggest worry. Ben? I'd say for me, what scares me is my whole life, I've always been one of the people who always questions yourself, and I've always had that some sort of person who negative feedback goes straight to the heart for me in, in a, sometimes quite a bad way 
And I think for me, one of the things that really scares me is actually the thought of, are we do is this, will we actually change life as mental health solution? And not in a way of will it, but will we change enough lives? Will I be able to build it to the point where I can actually impact more people? Ben, Jack, thank you so much. It's been so wonderful to speak to two people who are so focused on making life better and the world better for other people and for so many other people. Um, and great to see that there's such good UK and New Zealand collaboration to face up to some of these common challenges that we face. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review as it helps others find us. And remember, you can subscribe to us by searching for Tea with the High Commission on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you. Kakiti anō.